Well, hello there, listeners, and welcome back. You are listening to another episode of Headlines. Of course, the goal of Headlines episodes is to inform you of four news stories about sustainability or consumer habits or the environment that you may have missed this past week, and we're doing all that in under 15 minutes. There's no fluff. There's no chit-chat. I'll be honest. There's a little bit of chit-chat today, and I'm really sorry about that, but I'm doing it. I like to chat. Let's just get right into it and waste not one more second. Our first story today is all about clean energy charging, and specifically it has to do with our Apple iPhones. Well, before we talk about iPhones, let's first get on the same page and talk about the electrical grid. Every morning when the sun comes up and the sun is hitting millions of solar panels, the grid is flooded with clean solar energy, right? It's clean, no fossil fuels burned. There is often a surplus of this clean solar power. But then the sun goes down and the situation reverses. So at night, the sun sets, there's no solar power available, and so utilities must find other sources of energy to power the grid. Those new supplies tend to be carbon-intensive fossil fuel plants. So if we're all charging our phones at night, let's say, theoretically, we are all charging our phones with electricity that's generated from the burning of fossil fuels. Apple has a solution to this, and that is their clean energy charging solution. Consumers like you and I, if we were on top of everything, we would be flexible about when we are using electricity, when we're charging our phones, etc. But I'll be honest, I don't need another thing on my plate. My mind is so overwhelmed, overworked, overthinking all the time. I can't think about when is the best time to plug my phone in to charge it. And Apple understands that. So Apple has created tech that will do all that for us without us ever having to think about it. Apple appears to estimate when our local energy grids are cleanest by forecasting solar and wind energy production here in the United States. And then it shifts some charging to those periods when the grid is accessing clean energy. Pretty cool, right? This is a way to dial down demand of electricity at critical times and use excess renewable energy without consumers, you and me, ever having to think about it. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, who cares? Our phones are not major electricity users, right? Less than 0.1% of the average household's electricity consumption each year is for charging cell phones. But I wanted to highlight this story in particular because this is not just about phones. Manufacturers other than Apple can apply this innovation to products that are not made by Apple, right? Electric vehicles, heat pumps, refrigerators, other big appliances and electronics. Perhaps they could be charged when clean energy is abundant. And so until the grid is 100% clean, until the electrical grid is powered 100% by clean energy, which by the way, that is at least 10 years out for me here in Massachusetts, at least 10 years out. So until that day comes... This could be a way to capitalize on the clean energy that is available without us having to do anything. So if you want in, by the way, on this clean energy initiative by Apple, you have an iPhone. How do you do it? Well, all you have to do is upgrade to iOS 16.1. The feature is automatically turned on when you download the update. However, if you want out, you can do that as well in the 
battery section of your settings. We're moving on to some more positive news before we really nosedive and talk about some bad news. And that is all about bumblebees. <laughs> I am a beekeeping household. We have honeybees, and I've known for a long time that bees are super cool. However, Bees are even cooler than I even thought. A new study that was published earlier this month found that bumblebees are able to learn from each other as to how to finish a puzzle. Their brains are literally the size of a pinhead, and yet they can communicate amongst each other and teach one another how to solve puzzles. Holy moly. Well, why should you care about bees and their brains? Well, bees are pollinators, and pollinators are central to all life on Earth. Humans cannot survive without bees, and that's because pollinators, like bees, and like butterflies, and like hummingbirds, but pollinators help pollinate approximately 75% of the world's flowering plants. They pollinate about 35% of the world's food crops, like the fruits and vegetables that we eat. Now, if you're wondering exactly how, like, what the puzzle looked like that these bumblebees taught each other the solution. Well, researchers created a round puzzle out of Petri dishes, and the Petri dishes could be opened in two different ways. Once the bees figured out how to open it, they'd get the reward, which is the sugar water that's inside the Petri dish. That's cool, right? Like, they figured out how to open these Petri dishes. That's cool, but it's not that cool. It's not worthy of being a headline story, right? Here's the cool part. (laughs) The researchers trained just a few bees how to solve the puzzle in just one way. So remember, the puzzle has two solutions. They trained the bees to solve the puzzle just one way. And then they sent the bees that now know how to solve it back to their colonies. So So they say, okay, bees, now you have this really important information. Go back to your colony. Later... Each colony then comes to the puzzle. So all the bees come to the puzzle. As the bees in each colony solve the puzzle, the researchers realized that the trained bees had taught the other bees their way to solve the puzzle. Not the second way. The bees, by and large, and of course there were some outliers, but by and large, all the bees solved the puzzle the way they were taught. Why am I telling you all this? Like, who cares? (laughs) Well, let's remember that bumblebee populations in recent years have been dropping because of rising temperatures, because of excessive pesticide use. And so I'm hoping, and the researchers who conducted this study are hoping, that we can use this insight into the intricacies of bumblebee colonies as a means of amplifying conservation efforts Perhaps this insight can rouse the masses to help conserve them. All right, we're moving on to little mini story number three, which is that kids are suing their state. Let me introduce you to two teenage brothers. Badge and Lander live just outside Glacier National Park in Montana. They have grown up on the land. They have grown up to love their land. They hunt, they fish, they spend their days outside. And because they spend their days outside, they have grown attuned to the signals of a rapidly warming planet. Torrential rains erode their hiking trails. Wildfires have scarred their land. Smoke is so thick, they have to stay indoors some days. Well, Badge and Lander 
along with 14 other youth and with an environmental legal organization, teamed together to sue their state of Montana. This was in 2020. They sued it. I'm talking about this today because the case is set to go to trial in June, so in two months. The oldest plaintiff was 18 at the time of suing, and unpredictable weather made it difficult for her and her family to get water to their home. The youngest plaintiff was a two-year-old boy who had respiratory issues, and their parents say that his health issues are exacerbated by wildfires caused by climate change. So these young activists argue that Montana's extensive support for fossil fuels is unconstitutional because the resulting pollution is dangerously heating the planet and has robbed them, yes, them, of a healthy environment. This is not just about these 16 teenagers in Montana who are suing their state. I chose to cover this case because it is indeed a landmark case. There have been almost no trials on climate change. This is the first that will get into what needs to be done and whether states may have to change their policies. Maybe other states will have to change their policies as well. There are large potential implications here. Again, this case is named Held versus Montana. It's coming to trial in June. No matter which way it's ruled, it'll likely be appealed and go to the state Supreme Court, but keep your ears open. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about our feature story today, which has everything to do with climate refugees here in the United States. So stick around. We'll be back in a minute. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. 
Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coastofmaine.com. And we're back. We're on to today's feature story, which has everything to do with climate migrations and climate refugees. I have a story today. I told you I had a story today. There's a little bit of fluff. I'm sorry about it, but I got to do it. It's relevant. I promise. Every February-ish, my family of four, we travel to Miami, Florida for a vacation. And every time we go, I am struck by the fact that in the specific area of Miami-Dade County that we visit, there are more high rises being erected just 100 or 200 feet from the ocean. I always find myself wondering whether the developers who are building these buildings are reading the news. (laughs) I wonder whether the buyers of these units in these properties are aware that climate scientists warn that by the year 2060, 60% of Miami-Dade County will be underwater. It doesn't really seem like a solid investment in my humble opinion, but I'm not a real estate expert by any means. We also hear, too, about the possibility of mass climate migrations looming in coming decades. But it seems too far off, right? Climate migrations, getting up, packing up all our things and moving because the climate has become too uninhabitable for us. That sounds like way far off, doesn't it? Well, I wanted to cover this story in the feature story spot because it's not decades from now. It's starting now. So let's back up. Four years ago, a then professor at Harvard named Jesse Keenan zeroed in on a handful of cities here in the United States that he believed would become climate havens in the coming years. So people are moving from where they live now and they need to move to a climate haven. He named specifically the region around Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth, Minnesota. Let's talk about Duluth for a minute for anybody who doesn't know anything about Duluth, Minnesota. It's on Lake Superior, and it borders Wisconsin. Professor Keenan argued that the region will remain relatively cool. It will have a lower wildfire risk than the west or the southeast. And because Duluth is inland, it's mostly protected from the effects of sea level rise. The Great Lake that it borders, Lake Superior, has an awful lot of fresh water. And so as temperatures increase, Duluth, Minnesota will remain mild relatively. And by 2080, Duluth's climate is expected to shift, but not that much. Its summer highs will max out around mid-80s in Fahrenheit terms. So that projection came out four years ago. These days, dozens and dozens of people have moved to Duluth and surrounding areas because of fears of climate change. Many of these people have sold million-dollar homes, uprooted their families, uprooted their lives, moved from places like New Mexico or Colorado or California or Washington, and have moved to the Midwest, moved to Minnesota. Now, what do the existing residents, the longtime residents of Duluth, Minnesota, have to say about this? Well, some are delighted that their city is growing in popularity, but others are concerned that Duluth's 
property market is exploding. As the housing market gets more competitive, more expensive, perhaps the long-time residents are going to have to leave and purchase property elsewhere. I wanted to cover this story today in the feature spot because, again, we tend to think about climate migrations and climate refugees as something in the far-off future, something that we don't need to worry about yet. But that's not the case. It is starting now. People are starting to move. People are starting to think about 20, 30 years into the future and where is a place that they can survive. Maybe not thrive, but survive. And so I want to hear from all of you. If you live in a coastal town, are you considering moving before your property value plummets? If you live in an area prone to wildfires, are you considering moving for the health and safety of your family? If you are, if this thought has crossed your mind, you're not crazy. You're not a catastrophist. I don't think that's a word, but I'm going with it. You're not like a crazy catastrophist. There are plenty of other people with the exact same thoughts and concerns as you, and they're not just thinking about it. There are people who are actually doing it. They're actually moving. So if this sounds like you, send me an email. I want to hear from you. Reach out. I may even make a full episode out of it. But my parting words for you today are, if you are concerned about climate change-related migration, you are best advised to go to a place with an ample supply of fresh water. We are way over time today, and I'm very sorry about it. I'm going to wrap it up, and I'm going to say goodbye. Reach out if you need me. Have an amazing weekend, and take care. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.